This is the Alden Report. Hey, it's Mike Alden. I hope you're enjoying the Alden Report as much as I am. I love bringing to you new and exciting people that add value to your life. I'm also super excited to announce my latest book, Best Seller Secrets. Listen, if you're an author, maybe you're thinking about writing a book, maybe you've already written a book, maybe you're an entrepreneur and you want to continue to grow your brand, maybe you're an entrepreneur and you want to bring in more leads, maybe you're a stay-at-home mom and you wrote a, a cookbook or a children's book, maybe you wrote a, a fantasy book, a self-help book, a tell-all book, a novel, it doesn't really matter. In my latest book, Best Seller Secrets, I give you all the information that I've literally spent millions of dollars trying to figure this thing out and I'm going to give it to you absolutely free with my book bestseller secrets go to bestsellersecretsbook.com again it's bestsellersecretsbook.com i give you all the information that i've spent literally millions of dollars trying to figure this whole world out my books have gone on to do amazing things i'm a three-time wall street journal usa today best-selling author i've hit number one on amazon hundreds of times my books have been the number one book in the world against all books in every category and i've also done this for other authors, and I'm giving you this information absolutely free. Just go to bestsellersecretsbook.com. You got to pay a small processing fee, but it doesn't really matter again because I've spent millions of dollars. And here's the other secret you can do all this stuff yourself. If you don't have a team, that's okay. If you don't have a lot of time, that's okay. You read the information in my book again, whether you just started writing a book, whether you've written the book, whether you wrote the book years ago, and you want to kind of resurrect it. In my book, Bestseller Secrets, I show you exactly what you need to do, and I'm giving you the book absolutely free. Go to bestsellersecretsbook.com, download the book, take that information, use it to become a bona fide, legitimate, number one bestseller. I show you how to become a number one bestseller in less than 24 hours. And again, I'm giving you this information for free. Go to bestsellersecretsbook.com. Again, it's bestsellersecretsbook.com. This is the Alden Report. All right. Well, my name is Michael Alden. We are here in Blue Bay Studios. And as always, uh, I'm super excited uh, for my next guest. You know, I, I met, I actually, we haven't met yet, but I met, uh, I met someone who is doing some amazing work for him and with him. Uh, and she's like, you got to talk to this guy. He's a best-selling author. I, I'm just blown away about what he's done with his book. His name is Pastor Keon Henderson, and he's been a pastor for 20 years of the Lighthouse Church uh, in ministries in Houston, Texas. And, you know, I, I did some research uh, on this gentleman and pastor, uh, and I was just, again, totally blown away about what he's doing, what his church is doing, what he's doing for the community. And he's got a book, like I mentioned already, called The Shift, Courageously Moving from Season to Season. And he's here today to talk about the book, to talk about his ministry, and we're just going to talk about anything and everything that comes up. Uh, I'm super excited to have him. Uh, pastor, thanks so much for being my guest. Oh, man. Listen, Mike, it's an honor. Um, and you can take my book, put it under the desk and prop it up <laughs> just in case it's unstable. And we can use 5% more crushing crypto or the blueprint. Those are the real books. <laughs> uh, that was a little inside joke for those of you. Uh, we, we were joking around. We were uh, we had some technical difficulties in talking about how we prop up things with books, with our own books. Yes, sir. Pastor, actually, I got two right here that I was propping up my my own uh, my iPad on. So, That's uh, so we're not the only ones, I guess. Or you're not the only one and I'm not the only one. So um, again, thanks so much for being here. Uh, I know you're in Texas and, you know, it's obviously been a really difficult time in Texas. I have a lot of yeah. friends there. 
uh it's been it's been crazy but you guys i feel like you guys are kind of coming out of it now a little bit right yeah it's been crazy and you know you would a lot of people ask did you have any damage and they automatically assume the answer is going to be no <laughs> but that is absolutely not the truth uh at our south campus uh we had broken pipes over there and lost the carpet and a few items and then um at the house had a couple pipes to burst one um in the kitchen so it was a mess uh but we we knew that it was coming and made an appointment with the plumber three days before the freeze happened so we were first on this list had enough sense to know uh, to, to make an appointment ahead of time. So everything's good now and people are still uh, coming out of it. And uh, we fed about 600 people last Thursday, uh, 600 families, I should say. So that's probably 12 to 1800 people. So uh, we're, we're kind of galvanizing as a community, but uh, everything's getting better. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a trying time. You know, I was talking to some friends uh, your way and they just said it was, um, it, it, it was uh, like being in a third world country for a little while. No water, yeah. no electricity. And then, and not only that, but just no response and no preparation either. It sounds like you, you know, did, you know, what you could for, for uh, the community and for yourself as well and your family, but man, uh, it, it caught a lot of people off guard, huh? Yeah. And you know what I learned? I learned that, you know, we, we can depend on the government if we want to. Uh, that's, that seems to not always be a winning proposition, but the spirit of people, uh, I, I bet on that every time because people came together, neighbors uh, gave out candles and uh, I saw families getting together here uh, with their pets and having conversations and, and it was freezing cold. It's just crazy how cold it was. It never gets that cold here. But uh, the people, the spirit of people was a lot warmer than the environment and we all made it through together. Yeah. You know, we're, we're here in Boston, so we're used to the cold weather and, yeah. uh, you know, so, uh, well, again, thanks. Thanks for spending some time. Uh, I know you're doing, you know, you're doing some pretty big things, man. I, I checked you out again, uh, uh, on everywhere, just Googling you and uh, your YouTube page is just amazing. You know, your, uh, your ministry, you know, the, one of the things that I, the, one of the things that first, well, actually, you know what, first let's get into this. Tell us a little bit about your background. That's how I always start out. Tell us a little bit about your background. I'm always um, interested in how one becomes a pastor. You've been doing it for 20 years. Uh, I've watched you on stage. You're just like just amazing on stage. You sing on stage as well. And uh, so tell, tell us a little bit about that journey and like how that happens. Yeah. You know, my background is similar to yours, Mike. I did my research on you. I, I wanted to know who this guy was. I see you on Instagram. Who's this, ske who's this sketchy dude with glasses? <laughs> no, who's the guy? Who's the guy that gets endorsed by the man who invented infomercials? Like, who's that guy? Who's the guy <laughs> that has a shark from Shark Tank to talk about him? And I went and I saw all of your books and saw that you came from a similar background as I did, you know, poverty. Uh, my yeah. mom worked at Taco Bell and made $7 an hour and raised four kids. Um, you know, I am, um, for all sakes and purposes, what would be considered, you know, an illegitimate child because my father was married uh, while I was born and that prevented him from being able to, um, to acknowledge my sister and I. So I grew up my whole life with this father who, uh, has means and a ministry and um, is a pastor. And um, here my mom is, uh, she has a ch two children by this gentleman and he's not able to take care of us. And, and we don't have any relationship with him. And I hear him say that you should raise your children, right? But I have to go home and not get his blessing. He was not there for my high school graduation, wasn't there 
uh, for my middle school graduation. I played basketball at the highest level. He never came to one game. And here is a man that I lived five blocks away from. So here, that's my story is etched in that kind of trauma. And Mike, I, I really grew up wanting to be for other people what I didn't have for myself, right? So at the age of 14, I get this funny feeling that I'm supposed to preach. And there is nothing in my background that says that that's the way I should go. But I remember going to my pastor, who was my father, and being able to separate what he wasn't from what he was. Hold on a second. Say wait, that, wait, let me yeah. stop you there for a second. So you go yeah. to him at 14. Did you know yeah. he was your father? I found out at the age of 12. So, okay. you know, yeah. I know I know we've got about 30 to 45 minutes. So you no, tell man, me listen, No, listen, we, we know, I, I, I have no hard break, man. I want to just, I want to okay. get in, man. If we have to break this thing up in two segments, let's do it. So, 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 you, go, so, so you go to him at 14. Yeah, well, let's back up then since we can do that. I don't know who my father is all the way up until I'm 12. Right. And and one day there was a dad and donuts uh, at our school and everybody who had a father was there and everybody who didn't, didn't. But it prompted me to ask my mom. I said, Mama, I said, uh, uh, who's my father? And she called a family meeting. She called all of my sisters in the living room and myself. And she says to me, this is who your father is. My sister and I had two totally different reactions. My sister was unmoved and she's a, a year and a half younger than me. She's unmoved, Mike. She just, she sits there like this. Whatever. It doesn't hurt. <laughs> Whatever. For me, it was crushing because I spent every year of my life that I could remember up until that moment, wishing that he was my father. Cause I saw how great of a father he was to his other children and the example in the church that he had built in the city we grew up in. Um, and that was the first chapter in my book, The Shift. I called it Death and Daddy Issues and Divorce Daddy Issues. And I, I can't tell you how much pain went through my body the day that I found out that the man that I hoped would be my father actually was. So I went through two years of being so upset with him and so angry with him that I had no conversations with him. We were able to reconcile that after I had confronted him about it and he acknowledged to me privately that he was in fact my biological father. So fast forward, that's how we developed the relationship that I can go to him at 14 and say, I believe that God is calling me to preach, but where do I start? He told me because he was my father, he said, I knew from the moment I held you the first time that you would be a minister. And he said to me, you have seven days to get ready. I had seven days from the day I told him that I was called to preach, to write my first sermon and get ready to deliver this message in 10 minutes in front of about 1,200 people. That's how I got started. It's like throwing a guy in the pool who doesn't know how to swim and say, make it to the other side. You know, man, I hear stories like that. And I, uh, I, it reminded me of the first time I walked into a courtroom. I'm, I'm, I'm a lawyer by trade and uh, I remember walking into the courtroom and it was actually in the, in one of the toughest cities uh, in Massachusetts. Uh, and uh, I was still an intern in law school that you get, you get certified uh, by, uh, by the Supreme judicial court and you walk in, no one knows that you're not a lawyer. You dress up everything, you know, you, and uh, I, I went to the DA and, and, and she said, uh, are you certified? And I said, yeah. And she just hands me this file and she goes, go to that courtroom right there. And I'm like, hmm. what? And she's like, just, just go. 
And I'm, I'm walking into the courtroom, same thing I had. I'm looking at the file. I had no idea they called the case. And But you know what, man? Like, that's the greatest way to learn, isn't it? Like, yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm like kind of scared for you at that moment, right? Because I know that. I know that feeling, right? But isn't that yeah. the greatest way to learn? It is because, you know, you have the, it's, my mom used to say it's two kinds of learning. There's bought sense and then there's taught sense, right? And, and you can't buy that kind of opportunity. You can't, you can't pay for it. It's sink or swim. And either you have it or you don't, right? So you go in that courtroom and, and you're called to litigate this case. And, and this is your shining moment, right? This is your moment. This is your shot. And everything that Mike and Keon went through prior to that moment was actually what made us ready for those moments. Because if life is tough, then why should we expect our moments to be any less than, you know, so my life was tough and so was my first moment, but, but I made it. So, so, so tell me about, I wanted like, so how'd you do? Was it, you know, was it good? Do you think it was good? Well, you know, I don't think, I don't think it was good, but I made it like I got up and, and listen, Mike, I, I was so meticulous about what I was going to preach. I wrote every single word that I intended to say in those 10 minutes on a sheet of paper. So for instance, I said, uh, you know, uh, I want to give honor to the pastor and, and thanks to God. I actually wrote giving honor to the pastor. Like I didn't know his name and thanks to God. Like I didn't know who I was going to thank. I was that nervous and that scared. And I read my script and the name of the sermon was faith. Where is yours? And I got through it. And once I got to the end of it, I remember thinking to myself, I started off thinking, I can't do this. I finished off thinking, I can do this. So if if the sermon was good or bad, I'll leave that up to the people who witnessed it. But I know I came out of it believing that I could. So at 14, you uh, you get on stage with your first sermon and you know, uh, you know, you come off stage and I'm, I'm guessing, like you said, it was, you know, it was a success, uh, from that, from that point on, was it, was it every weekend or every day? Like, what, like, what, like, how did you continue to develop your skills? Uh, and also, I don't even know this, but do you have to get some sort of, uh, license or degree or anything? Like, I don't even, I don't I'm just curious about that whole world. Cause I, cause I'm just, I don't know about it. Yeah. So, uh, you do have to get a license. You have to get a license and that license comes by the senior pastor of the church and the board of elders that he puts together. So I have to go through sort of, um, if, uh, if you know anything about Catholicism, like a catechism, I have to get sure. drilled. I have to get questions asked and I have to know those things. And I mean, it is, it's like sink again, sink or swim. And you have to get a 90% on this verbal exam in front of these board of elders to be licensed and ordained. What I did next was a personal step that you don't have to do, but I did. I actually entered into seminary and went and got my master's degree in theology because I think that if you're going to do something, you should take it serious. And if our um, if our lawyers have to have papers, then so should our ministers. I think you know it's a it's a serious job. So that's that part. But I, I come off of that stage, and to answer the first part of the question, I come off and he says, uh, "My father grabs me and." And it was like a rite of passage. And he says, you are going to be greater than I ever was. Now, that's that for me, that's insurmountable. It's a task that can't be done because he is my hero. Right. This guy has has five churches in the 80s, five different churches in the 80s. He's 
he's killing it. And he says to me, you can do this and you'll be greater than me. And at that time, I did not understand how I could even have a fraction of what he had. But it turns out uh, that I stand on his shoulders and that what he wasn't um, as a father, somehow he was as a senior pastor and leader. And so even though I was missing one part of who he was, I was able to gain the other part of who he was. And I think it shaped who I am and it helps me as a leader to be less judgmental and to be more accepting because I know my backgrounds uh, and, and those settings. So, you know, I, I, I think that what we do is a hard job. And um, I realize that I am more than a preacher and we'll get into that. But um, it was through those moments that I kind of got my feet wet and learned about what leadership was and, and, and how to communicate and, and how to go forward and what we do. So, um, so from there, do you, uh, I, you know, I appreciate you telling me about, you know, getting your, your master's in theology. I think that's, you know, definitely a, a great move and, and certainly helps you, uh, is your understanding of, of faith and religion, uh, and really kind of just, I think, put you on another level as far as, uh, education, of course. Um, but so do you go that, do you then have to go through a kind of like a, almost like an apprenticeship or how long does it take before, you know, you, you can kind of do it on your own. Is there a time frame, or does it, or, or is it really kind of left up to the elders when they just say, okay, you're good. Yeah. It's, it's kind of left up to the, uh, to the elders to say okay. you're good to answer the other part of your question. Was it a weekly thing? It, it for norm for normal circumstances, Mike, it isn't. Um, our pastor had 50 ministers at his church. And so there were guys who didn't get a chance to preach once a year. Could you imagine 52 weeks, most of the time the people want to hear him and he's got 50 people just waiting, right, to, to speak. And I never will forget what he said. He gave me an opportunity to preach, but he told me these words. And back then, um, uh, you know, th these guys were tough cookies, right? I mean, that's a different generation. He said, now, God called you to preach. So if he wants you to preach somewhere, He'll provide you a place, but don't think that what I just did for you is going to happen every week. Do you know that from that moment forward, I've preached somewhere every week since 1995 when I was 14 years old. I've been preaching the gospel consistently without a pause, without a halt, all the way through college as a division one athlete. I even started a church in college. I've preached every weekend since I was 14 years old. And, um, and now I find satisfaction in helping other young men, and I'm gonna do this on Easter, other young men and women uh, who've come through the faith. Um, I'm gonna ordain about five or six of them to give them that same experience to go and, and to be able to exercise their gifts because that, that gift was given to me. Well, wow, that, that's, uh, that's super interesting. And you just, you know, you just briefly talked about, uh, your, um, experience as a D one athlete. I played division two football and, and there's a big difference between D one and D two sports. Um, did you say it was, it was it basketball? You said, yeah, it was basketball. So where, where did you play basketball? And tell me about that. I think that's super interesting too, to play. Like you said, you, you said you played at the highest levels and, um, you know, I, I've seen what it takes to play D1 and it is a whole nother level, uh, one, just to even make it. And then two to play or two, you know, it's just, it's extraordinary and basketball in and of itself, you know, you know, you're looking at a team of, 
you know, what, 15 players, whereas I played football and you get like 52. So you get 52 shots with basketball. You usually only have one in 15. Um, where did you play? And, and tell me about your career. Yeah, I'm uh, again, I'm a, a lot like you, Mike. I, I think that when the, the mutual person that we know set us up, she told me, she said, you're going to see so much of yourself in this guy. And she sent me so many links to your story. And when I saw that you played division two basketball, here's, here's football, one of the things football, that, football. Football, <laughs> no, no, yeah, football yeah, yeah. that that keeps us in common is that when I went to uh, Indiana Purdue University at Fort Wayne, which is now Purdue University, affectionately known as IPFW uh, back then, but now it's Purdue Fort Wayne. It was a division two school in 1999. So I get this scholarship from East Chicago Central High School, born and raised in Gary, Indiana, right outside of Chicago. Uh, toughest city in Indiana, just like you, the toughest yeah. city where you're from. I go, the school is Division Two, and we get the announcement that the school is going to be bumped up to Division One, our sophomore year. So I decide to redshirt my freshman year so yep. that I could be a true freshman and so my first true freshman year, we were an actual D1 school. And my God, the jump from playing a school like uh, I can uh, Northern Kentucky, which is a D2 school right. in Kentucky, uh, or uh, Southern Indiana, SIU, to playing Michigan State. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it was night and day. Do now you hear me? It was night and day. What is the big so with football? What I noticed was is uh, it was speed. It wasn't. It was because uh, you know we we had some big dudes on the team. In fact, John Cena, the WWE champion, he he was a, a f- uh, sophomore when I no, he was a freshman when I was a junior, uh, and so he played at, at Springfield College where I played. And so we had some big dudes, like we had big guys. So we had a couple guys that had a couple opportunities and played some arena ball, but really the difference from what I could tell, I went to a couple camps uh, in the country to, to see, I thought I could play D one because the size I am now is pretty much the size I've always been. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I was humbled pretty quickly when I went to a, a camp in New York and I saw what kids were like from like Pennsylvania, Florida, Texas. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like man. so is it, so what's the difference in basketball? Is it speed or, 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 oh, yeah. Yeah, it's speed. Yeah, because you have to. But I mean, because you have to. I mean, you have tall guys and you have guys that can shoot, and you know, and you have some. I mean, look, there's there are there are guys that make it out of D two that you know, few and far in between that do go to the NBA. But, um, like, it, it is it speed really? Or I don't know. Yeah, so I define it differently. I was saying okay. it, it is speed, but there are two other things that that hit us in the face, and I think that there's a difference between the two. There is speed, but then there is quickness. Yeah, and man the quickness of the guys at the next level was crazy. Like a crossover at D2 is different than a crossover D1. And the sheer strength, the sheer strength, like you look at a Zion Williamson or a, uh, a LeBron, these guys seem to be born with 17-inch pythons, right? right so right. just the, the sheer hugeness of people uh, at a natural level, uh, at the next level, it was crazy. Um, the coaches were amazing. I remember, you know, Tom Izzo and Jim Beheim and just being across from these guys and, and literally our coach will admit it, just being out coached by people who were the LeBrons of their craft. So we were outnumbered and outmatched. Again, I think that everything in life prepares you for where you're going because I grew up in the city scrapping. I grew up with a mom who's scrapping. Now here I am 
a division two athlete turned division one and I'm behind again. Right. Right. And, and I'm second class again and I'm scraping and trying. And I made myself into a division one athlete by the time uh, it was all said and done and could play with anybody. Uh, had an opportunity to play overseas um, and um, and and have that experience. Um, but the ultimate shift for me happened in my life through basketball, Mike. I remember it was yesterday, like it was yesterday. We were playing Middle Tennessee State. And uh, there was a guy named John Humphreys who was a N1 athlete. They call him the helicopter. I threw a pass to my teammate whose name was Nick Wise. He was a heck of a shooter. And John stole the ball. And he, he was going down, and I knew it was going to be a dunk of a highlight. I knew it was going to be crazy because this guy had a 50-inch vertical. And I ran behind him with everything I have to make sure that I blocked that shot to make sure that he didn't embarrass me. And I am pleased to say that I did get the shot, but that was the day that I tore my ACL. I fell down, and the, the, the heel of my foot hit the ground. And my knee snapped backwards the way it was supposed to have been forward. Uh, and and that was that was the beginning of the end of my basketball career. Um, and I that's why I wrote the book, The Shift. So when I talk about the shift, I'm actually talking about my knee because basketball was what I wanted to do. Ministry is what God wanted me to do. And I was doing everything I could to run away from what he wanted, to run towards what I wanted. And so God shifted my knee but he was really after my mind. And I always say that God shifts the area that you care about so he can actually shift you in the area that he cares about. That's amazing. You know, and and a second, I do want to kind of dive a little bit more uh, or a lot more uh, into the book uh, shift. We are on with pastor Keon Henderson. He is the founder and CEO of the lighthouse church. Again, he's the author of the shift courageously moving from season to season. Now, I, I, I got to be honest, I didn't read the whole book. Now I get the whole season to season thing. Here's the book right here. It's a beautiful book. The cover is great. I read, I read a little bit of it um, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to you know diving into the whole thing. And what I, I was impressed by so many things um, uh, as, as an author myself, I mean, this is just a beautifully designed book. It, it, you know, from what I've read, man, you've done a great job uh, in putting it together because writing a book is, is not easy. Uh, if you'd like some more information about Pastor Keon, you can just go to uh, pastorkeon.com. By the way, it's spelled K E I O N. Com. You can also find him on Instagram as well. And you can just Google um, the Lighthouse Church. It's amazing what they're doing there. I want to spend some time on that too. Like we said, we don't know. I, I will just go until we just can't go anymore. Uh, but okay. what he's doing there uh, is it's um, it's remarkable. It, 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 like each one, each video that I watched, Pastor, was it was like a it was a big event. It was like a concert, and and it just made um, you know faith like so much more fun. So like we don't we don't have that in in my community. It's just not it's just not it's it's kind of boring. Uh, there's and and it's uh, you feel like there's there you're like being guilted. But but mm-hmm. when I was watching what you do, like you're singing, you have other people singing. It's just fun, man. Um, so again, if you'd like some more information about 
Pastor Keon. You can just Google Google him uh, and also check him out at PastorKeon.com. You can just get his book. It's available everywhere. Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Amazon, and uh, it's got over 700 reviews on Amazon. I'm just blown away uh, by that as well. I do know how he did it because he's got a massive following. But again, go there, check out the book. Uh, it, it's amazing. So um, The Shift, you talked about, now it makes sense uh, to me, the subtitle. Uh, you yeah. know, <laughs> have that moment where your your knee, you know, you tearing your ACL, I, I was fortunate. I um didn't have any injuries in college, although after college I did. Uh, and that is pretty much for, for the most part, for most people, uh, unless you're really lucky, it's kind of a season ending career, you know, uh, a career ending um, uh, injury. So you have this moment and, y- you know, it, it, it has to be difficult, right? Because like you said, this is what you want to do. So I know ob- obviously you're a man of faith. You were then, you are now, but like, your like the human element of it, your brain, like really how you feel, like how long did it really kind of take you to just say, okay, well, this, you know, God is, is, is sending me in a different direction. This isn't what I'm meant to do. I'm, I am meant to, you know, kind of spread the word of God and build this, you know, build this church. Like, like when did that, like, how long did that take to get into that mindset? You know, I think that you and your audience of people, uh, who like to hear the truth, right? Like your audience is a group of real people. Yeah. And, and I, know and I give, wish, and I, know you, I know you're going to give the yeah. real answer. Yeah. I, I wish I could tell you that it happened. And I was like, Oh God is good. And this is amazing. I was pissed. Yeah. I was pissed. I was like, how in the world could I serve you with everything I have? And this is what you do to me. Now, mind you, I'm still selfish at this moment because I still want to do what I want to do. And, and I, I, I went through rehab and Mike, it took me nine months not to flinch when I saw someone get hurt on television. Every time somebody would fall on television, I fell with. Them. Right. Um, it took me nine months not to lay in the dark and wish that I had a do-over. It took me nine months to convince myself that I wasn't going to quit on religion because I felt that God had quit on me. And I went through a dark period knowing that this could be it, right? That, that, I, could, that I could have given my entire life to this game and this could be it. And I wish I could tell you that after that nine months, everything came to a head and I was back positive, but you know what happened at the end of the nine months? I tore it again. I tore it again, the same knee. So you I go through the next, so you go through the nine, nine months of rehabilitation. And, you know, unfortunately, again, I, I didn't really have any major injuries in college. Um, uh, but you know, you hear this story, the, your story a lot. Uh, and so you go through nine months of rehabilitation, wanting to get back on the court. You're, you're, I mean, you have to be depressed. There's just no other way to describe it. Um, maybe not truly like long-term clinically, but it's a depressing moment or, or a part of your life. And then you tear it again, man. Like, like I just, it's got to be just gut-wrenching. I tear it again. And since I've got experience, I know exactly what it is. So this time I lay there and I think I'm going to have to go through this all over again. And I didn't know if I wanted to. 
I had one more year of basketball to play. I said, maybe I should just call it quits now. Like I should just not do this anymore because the rehab is always more gruesome than the injury. But I'm not a quitter. Like I had to fight. I had to grind. I had to find the strength. I had to muster up the faith, if you will. And, and I went through the process again. And I came out stronger um, as a result of it. And I think that the lesson in that is what the doctor told me. He said, we're going to replace the uh, ACL that you had with the tendon out of a foot. So it's, it's a cadaver. So if a person right. passes away, they, they could use this tendon. And he said that this tendon is somewhere between five and 10 times stronger than the one that you originally had. And like, it hit me that through the two injuries that I had, because I broke my foot once and I tore my ACL. When I broke my foot, they showed me a calcium deposit around my metatarsal. And the doctor told me, he said, you may break another bone in your foot, but you'll never break this bone again because this bone healed is stronger than the original bones. And then I realized, Mike, every rip or break we have is designed to make us stronger than we were before. Yeah. I mean, it's that. Yeah. Every tear that I ever had was stronger than the original. Every break that I ever had. And that ain't just true in the physical. That's true professionally, relationally. Like there's some people listening to us right now. They may say, I never tore my knee, but I sure tore up my marriage, right? <laughs> I, I didn't tear my shoulder up, but but me and my child, I, I severed their relationship. If you if you rehab it right, metaphorically speaking, the the healing process always makes you stronger than you were in your original condition. Yeah, you know, and I, I'm listening to you, and and I and I get it. I mean, and but it's for for those who are listening and and watching right now, and maybe they're in that moment right now. Maybe that shift has happened right now. And, um, you know, I had Les Brown. I don't know if you saw. I had Les Brown on on Les. the podcast, and 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 we talk. And I've had I've talked a lot about this with people because, um, you know it's not just me. It's not just you. It's just life in general. And, and I f- you feel like it's just you, but I've gone through a lot of pain, right. You know, just, mm. you know, in business and, in and, and, and just in life. Right. But, and, and it's hard, man. It's so hard. And, and I asked less, you know, I said, man, like less, like, like, why do we have to go through pain? And he went on and told me a great story. And basically what he said was it's the struggle that creates life. But, but when you're, but, but when you're there, man, like it's, so someone's in it right now, what can you what, what can you say to them as a pastor as a man of faith that's going to really give them hope like w- like what do you w- when you counsel people as well i'm sure you do that with with your um uh, with people at your church like how how does that um how do, how do they get through it like i you know it's what do you say yeah les is one of my favorite people i'm i read a book recently about his uh, hungry you know gotta that was be hungry man gotta yeah, be my hungry, favorite man. i'll tell you so real before you ask that question i so I, the thing one of the things that fires me up is um he uh he's got a great speech that he spoke at georgia in you know, georgia stadium uh and uh, and it's about have you seen that speech 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's not yeah. over until I win, man. Yeah, I, so I, so I, I listen to that. <laughs> I listen to that. Like I have a, a Sono system in my house and I'll just blast it in the whole house. And I drive my family crazy uh, just to yeah. get me fired up, man. It's such a great story. You know, you got to be hungry. But so, so yeah, so, so someone's in that moment right now. They're in the pain right now. The shift just happened. The, the business fell apart, which is happening all over, all over, all over the country, all over the world. Um, then maybe they'd lost a family member to COVID because that's what we're still going through right now. Or whatever it is, what do you say to them? Like, how do they get through it? How do they, what, what do they look for it? I mean, you know, can you, can you help me out here, man? I just need, yeah, I, man. I, you, know? <laughs> you know, it's like this, man. You know, I could tell you how I did it, but that would, that would seem disingenuous because it's always easy for the person on the other side of the road to say how easy it was. So I'll give you a metaphor. There's a story about a king um, who was sick and tired of everybody in his kingdom uh, feeling entitled because of how difficult life was, you know? And so what he did was he took a big boulder and he put it right in the middle of the main road getting into the city. And then he goes off to the side and he watches all of the people who live in this kingdom coming in and they get to this boulder that's normally not there. And so he wanted to see what their reaction would be. And person after person came to the boulder and turned around and went back the other way because it was too high to get over. It was too wide to get around, too heavy to get under. So everybody went to the boulder, turned around and went home time after time. And he's disappointed because he thought, man, I, I taught you better. I taught you how to endure. Person after person went to the boulder, turned around, except for one man who was hungry. One man who was hungry. His family was on the other side of the boulder. His children, his business, everything he wanted was on the other side of the boulder. Even though the business was struggling, it was on the other side of the boulder. So he gets to it and he tries to push it out of the way and it doesn't move. Then he goes into the forest and gets a tree, shaves off the, the, the end of one of the branches puts it under the boulder and uses it as a lever and pops the boulder up just enough so that it would roll and go down the hill. And underneath the boulder was a case of gold that the king had left for anybody who had the courage to move the obstacle. And inside of that case of gold, the king wrote a letter and said, in every obstacle is an opportunity to improve your circumstances. I would say to anybody who is who business is struggling right now, uh, anybody whose relationship is struggling right now, anybody who's dealing with rejection and insecurity and 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 all of the things that we can deal with, pride, jealousy, envy, that in every one of those obstacles, if you can move it out of the way as an opportunity to improve your circumstance. And I know you don't know it because you have to strain to push it. You have to get creative and go find a lever to help move it. You got to read some kind of book, listen to some kind of podcast, go to some kind of conference, go to some kind of YouTube link. There is something out there if you search for it that can help you move that lever out of the way. And it is only the people who have the courage to push that boulder that will find the goal. But to me, it wasn't the goal that helped his life. He already had a business. It was the letter that the king left and that he knew that going forward, in every obstacle is an opportunity to improve your condition. I, I know that sounds crazy, but it, the earth is full of people who moved that boulder. You moved it. It's, it's, it's hard to do. It's difficult to do. You know, I read somewhere, Mike, that, that every human being in the earth spends about four, 
years of their life waiting in line. That means you're going to wait in line at the bank. You're going to wait in line at the grocery store. You're going to wait in line uh, at the at the DMV. You're going to wait in line. You four years of your life is spent waiting in line. And they they did a study on it and found out that the top three percent of the people in the world who are succeeding, it is not because they are better than the people that they've succeeded over. It's because they utilize their waiting periods more efficiently. So while you're waiting on things to get better, while you're waiting on the storm to pass, while you're waiting on your financial situation to improve, while you're in line, are you listening to a podcast or are you complaining about how long it's taking? Like if you go into the bank and it takes 15 minutes to get to the teller, instead of looking around trying to find a manager to hurry up and leave and go do nothing, listen to a podcast like this. And get 15 minutes of information while you wait. And people who utilize their weights better are typically the people who can handle the weight of life better. Wow, man. I just love I I love the, the beginning story. I love it's almost like it's almost like you've done this before. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that story. I've never heard that story, and I've heard a lot, and that's that's that that's just such a great story. And and by the way. As you're talking, I hate standing in line like everybody, but I <laughs> yeah. hate it. And what, but uh, it's funny you say that when I'm in line, I usually am listening to something, uh, or sometimes uh, I'm a practitioner of uh, transcendental meditation. You can't really do it standing in line, but you can almost do like a little mini meditation uh, where yep. you can just kind of close, close your eyes uh, and just, you know, just kind of settle down, especially if it, if you are annoyed that the person in front of you is taking forever or you're at the bank and you need to, you need to get up. But that is such a beautiful thing and such great advice, you know, for those listening, you know, like think about the time, you know, Zig Ziglar talks about how, uh, or talked about how his um, secretary had her PhD from automobile university because she would travel back and forth to the office and she would listen to cassette tapes uh, uh, mm. about success and, you know, rather than just, you know, blasting the tunes, like, why not, you know, if you're driving, like, why not listening to something that's going to make you better? Now, I'm a big fan of Howard Stern. I love to be entertained. So I listen to him a lot, but he actually gives a lot of good information too. Absolutely. Uh, but a lot of times I am just listening to a podcast um, to learn and to get better because we all can learn from others and we can all get better. Right. Yeah. And what I tell people, you know, everybody's looking for a mentor, like, wouldn't it be amazing for one of your listeners to call our watchers and say, hey, man, a, a, a Mike, hook me up with hook me up with less like that's less likely to happen. Right. But, but this is what I tell people. Les Brown can actually be your mentor if you spend the resources buying his books and buying his tapes and listening to his links. Because before I ever met anybody who would accomplish things. I had purchased the products of the people who accomplished things and made myself guilty by association. So I associated myself with people and then I mimicked their habits because I thought that if their habits yielded their results, then the habits are not intellectual property. The habits are available to anybody who will follow them. So if, if leaders are readers, then I became a, a reader. Right. And, 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 and I just borrowed the habits of successful people and I noticed that my results came as a result of mimicking people who had already been where I was trying to get. Yeah, I mean, it's just such sound advice. Again, uh, I'm, I'm just so excited to have you here. We are here with Pastor Keon Henderson. He's the author of The Shift. 
Uh, and you know, his, his book, uh, it, first of all, the cover on is beautiful, man. I don't know where, where you had that done. I don't know if you, you know, if it was your publisher, but it's absolutely beautiful. He's also the CEO and founder of the lighthouse church, uh, in Houston, Texas. And from what I can see, I'm here in Massachusetts. Uh, it's just amazing, uh, what he's doing there. He's really, and I, by the way, I, I want to talk to you too, a little bit about faith, um, and, 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 and how we can use faith to grow, uh, as individuals. And, and the word faith is, is a bit of a fluid term and we all have different forms of faith, but if you'd like some more information about pastor Keon, you can just go to pastorkeon.com. It's K E I O N. So pastor K E I O N.com. You can also just doing some stuff on Instagram. You can find him at pastor Keon, uh, Keon on Instagram, uh, and uh, you could just Google the Lighthouse Church too, and they're right on YouTube. So you know, like he was just mentioning, uh, if you can't get there, um, his his sermons are right there. Uh, they're right there on YouTube. You can just watch it and 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 be inspired, uh, and and learn from him and the others uh, who do speak uh, at his churches. Hey, it's Mike Alden. I hope you're enjoying the Alden Report as much as I am. I love bringing to you new and exciting people that add value to your life. I'm also super excited to announce my latest book, Best Seller Secrets. Listen, if you're an author, maybe you're thinking about writing a book. Maybe you've already written a book. Maybe you're an entrepreneur and you want to continue to grow your brand. Maybe you're an entrepreneur and you want to bring in more leads. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom and you wrote a a cookbook or a children's book. Maybe you wrote a a fantasy book, a self-help book, a tell-all book, a novel. It doesn't really matter. In my latest book, Best Seller Secrets, I give you all the information that I've literally spent millions of dollars trying to figure this thing out and i'm going to give it to you absolutely free with my book bestseller secrets go to bestsellersecretsbook.com again it's bestsellersecretsbook.com i give you all the information that i've spent literally millions of dollars trying to figure this whole world out my books have gone on to do amazing things i'm a three-time wall street journal USA Today bestselling author. I've hit number one on Amazon hundreds of times. My books have been the number one book in the world against all books in every category. And I've also done this for other authors. And I'm giving you this information absolutely free. Just go to bestsellersecretsbook.com. You got to pay a small processing fee, but it doesn't really matter again, because I've spent millions of dollars. And here's the other secret. You can do all this stuff yourself. If you don't have a team, that's okay. If you don't have a lot of time, that's okay. You read the information in my book. Again, whether you just started writing a book, whether you've written the book, whether you wrote the book years ago, and you want to kind of resurrect it, in my book, Bestseller Secrets, I show you exactly what you need to do, and I'm giving you the book absolutely free. Go to bestsellersecretsbook.com, download the book, take that information, use it to become a bona fide, legitimate number one bestseller. I show you how to become a number one bestseller in less than 24 hours. And again, I'm giving you this information for free. Go to bestsellersecretsbook.com. Again, it's bestsellersecretsbook.com.